This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tool back again with you guys for another episode of our preview series looking ahead to Arsenal's next fixture. Slight different format to today's show. I'm very happy to be joined by a special guest. Before I get into that, though, please make sure that you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here. But without further ado, let's get into today's show. I'm very happy to introduce to you guys uh, a person, of course, who's very much in the drum and bass scene of music, which for those that are long-term listeners of the show and have to put up with the music behind our intros will know I desperately try to force into as much of this channel as feasibly possible, whether you like it or not. And so we're going to continue along that theme, and I'm very happy to introduce you, Dex. How you doing, Dex? You good? You well? I'm very well, my friend. Thank you for that intro, and um, I'm glad to hear that you're... Uh... You're spreading the gospel of drum and bass to, to your, your poor listeners, man. I love that. That's what it's all about. <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. They uh, they don't have much choice. Um, but of course, yeah, I mean, we've had obviously people like Kodish on who's been with Pedulum and, and Friction too is a massive Arsenal fan as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, any possible way to squeeze drum and bass into the channel, um, whether, the, as I say, the listeners like it or not, has, has been welcomed by them, whether they uh, appreciate it or not. Um, but no, for those that don't know you and aren't familiar with you, what I would say is that if you do play Forza Horizon, you may have heard Degs uh, on the hospital radio, uh, having a bit of banter with Chris Goss back and forth. Or if you do uh, enjoy drone base, of course, you may have seen the hospital podcast, which Degs is involved in, in addition to the fantastic content that you produce and your own music as well. But tell me more about kind of getting into this scene and, and how it all started. Yeah, so I'm, mate, I, firstly, I really appreciate um, the intro. That's you know, really kind of you. And uh, and yeah, hello to all your listeners and uh, looking forward to this. Um, I guess I, I, I kind of took an, a bit of a non-conventional route into music. Um, you know, I was in sales for, for many, many years, worked for, for companies in constructions, uh, construction industries uh, with ground workers and stuff like that. So completely different background was kind of making music in the background um and got made redundant in in kind of around I think it was about 2017 so I moved back in with my parents at like the age of 28 just did not go down that well um and then I just started bashing out videos basically and and, and making mm. content and creating stuff and just trying to have a good time of it and 
very, very lucky, like six to eight months after that period, um, early 2018, I signed to, to hospital and sitting in now with you today. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny because I talk to a lot of people on the channel who quit, well, not quit, but either were quitting or, you know, in your case, you know, forced to, to kind of leave what they were doing. And eventually it, it kind of works out for the best. I mean, from my perspective, I used to be a teacher and just quit that to go and do football full time. So we always encourage people and the listeners, especially if, the, if you're just not happy what you're doing and you can move on and do something that you love and want to express yourself, then that's the way to move forwards. But interestingly, when I was listening to, as I mentioned, specifically the the Forza Horizon podcast with Chris Goss on, on hospital, um, that your love of football is quite deep and you're at the 2006 World Cup. I mean, yeah. how does that, how do you get to the 2006 World Cup, first of all? Because that's quite impressive in itself. Yeah, so... Um... I went with my old man, I went with my dad, um, and we stayed in Nuremberg. And we were basically, it was actually really interesting. Right? I mean, I was only, I would have been 2000, I was only 17. Um, so it was my my first experience of like a major tournament of, of any kind of depiction, you know, let alone international tournament. And mm. um, we've got, in our sort of family, we've got a lot of friends from Iranian and Persian background. So we went, we actually, we didn't actually go and see any of the games in the stadium. We tried to, we tried to get in, unfortunately we weren't able to, um, but we went to a lot of the fan fests um, and yeah, we spent a lot of time with uh, Iranian fans. Like, so, so we watched Iran, Mexico with a bunch of Persians mm -hmm. screaming their songs, even though we had no idea what any of the Farsi, I think the language is Farsi, right? So I didn't know what it mm -hmm. meant, but it was an amazing experience. Um, one that I would recommend to, to, to absolutely anyone, especially at 17 as well. It was, uh, we had a good side. It's a, it's a shame, right? Like, it's a shame what happened. Yeah. We had a good side. There was a lot of, you know, maybe a little bit of English overconfidence, but it certainly felt great going into the tournament. Um, I think the Paraguay game, the 1-0 kind of mm. brought us all back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, something yeah. about England tempering expectations is just goes hand in hand, but we never seem to succeed uh, at all. It's just a case of it's coming home, whether you like it or not. And, uh, you know, the, I remember the 2006 squad and going through that with obviously kind of Rooney and was it, I think it was Euro 2004, the Ronaldo incident, you know, and mm -hmm. kind of Rooney just breaking into things as well. And, but there's, from the Arsenal perspective, there's never, there's never really been too much Arsenal representation in the England squads from kind of the mid 2000s to, to now. We're only starting to see, you know, with Aaron Ramsdale and, um, and, and players like Ben White getting into the team too, that, that we're starting to see it. But from a Newcastle perspective, I mean, it's been, especially in more recent times, even rarer. Um, everyone will talk about Alan Shearer, of course. Um, but is it a pain not to see that kind of representation still? Or do you think there's hope now with the new ownership that that will increase? Um, you know, just generally, I think supporting the club is we, we kind of the butt of a lot of people's jokes over the last, um, basically since, the, I guess, the, the Sir Bobby Robson days, which is mm. which is fair enough. I mean, we, we have perennially underachieved um, two of the most frustrating things, I, I think, aside, well, aside from obviously not competing in the Cups or in the league, mm. has been our academy not producing any homegrown players. And also at the same time, um, just having basically, even if we buy players from other clubs, we, they just tend to not really get representation um, in the England squad because they're just not good enough. You know, I'm just trying to think, I mean... Recently, we've had maybe the Longstaff brothers could have possibly been on, but they, I mean, I don't think they were even with it a sniff. Yeah. Um, it, it's been, and then, you know, you look at players like Paul Dummett, who's ended up changing, I think I'd say changing allegiance, but deciding to side with his Welsh family. 
And I yeah. think that's made him or given him the opportunity to actually play international football. It's really disappointing because obviously the northeast. I know I've got a super southern accent, but I have, have some family up there. That's where it comes from. Um, is is a hotbed of football, and um, I think a lot of people. I mean, you know, I speak to people up there, and they're, they're desperate to see a Newcastle player play for England in some capacity at some point. But you know, like like you said, since Shearer, since that kind of golden era, the the nineties. There's just not been anyone, and it's uh, it's it's a real shame, man. It is a real shame. Let's let's talk a little bit more about kind of yourself and Newcastle. You said just a second ago, you know, you got this family, but uh, I, I don't detect anything of of a Georgia accent whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so so talk me through kind of that that connection and and where that's come from, and and how it's led to such a passionate support for Newcastle. So um, I grew up mostly in the in the southeast of England as you can probably tell by my accent. When I was much younger, I kind of really wanted to support. I think it was actually the first club I wanted to support. I saw him on the TV. I remember being a toddler was Forest, mm. And they had a good side back then, which was like 92, 93. Um, and it was like Chelsea because of where we lived at the time. Um, but my dad and his sister were Newcastle fans. His sister lived up there for, for several years. I've got Geordie Cousins. Mm. Um, incidentally, one of them tried to support Arsenal when he was a kid, but I think he's kind of come back to the, the dark side. <laughs> so we have, yeah, we have a whole family of Newcastle fans and um, mm. yeah, it's, uh, and that's where the link came from. And obviously growing up, my, my favourite players were people like Faustino Espria and Alan Shearer, Peter Beardsley, Lauren Robert. Um, we've had some, we've had some corkers, we've had some corkers at Newcastle, but mm. uh, unfortunately never really achieved anything. I mean, I'm 33 now and there's, um, yeah, there's, I mean, aside from an intertoto plaque. Yeah. <laughs> famous picture of Scott Parker holding up the plaque and he looks which says Newcastle United into Toto Cup winners 2006 maybe and he looks so unbelievably disinterested and so disappointed <laughs> that and a couple of championship trophies and I guess that's, mm. that's a lot you went through that French period didn't you like you know Kabay and Sissoko mm. um, that's a few more um, Zonzi as well um, just coming off the that, top was of my head. that was Stoke so we had we basically were raiding um, kind of decent league-owned clubs, you know, the, mm. the Bordeaux, the Lyons of the world. And we went through a stage of, if they weren't French, they were French-speaking. So, you know, you had Cissé, Barr, Ben Arthur, yeah. Louis Remy, um, Johan Kavai, even, you know, like, you know, rest in peace now, Czech Tiote, who, mm. and I was, you know, sorry to your listeners, I remember that game very well, the 4-4, Alan Parchez. Oh, yeah. Tiote, <laughs> yeah. um, may he rest his soul. He was an absolutely instrumental player for us. Um, but yeah, we, we went through for want of a, you know, no pun intended, the French Revolution, uh, even mm. Remy Cabaya as well as, who's, who's actually kind of recovered his career a little bit now in France. But um, mm. yeah, it's a very strange period, actually. I'm not quite sure what the what the vibe there was. Maybe we just... Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It was, I think, I suppose it was kind of the, the idea that, you know, a couple of French players were working and then if we get more in, you know, the chemistry builds, I suppose, and they're working better with one another. But yeah, it was that, that weird period. Was it... Was Alan Pardew with the seven-year contract at that point as well? It was a very similar yeah. period. Um, yeah, but it, it didn't work. And obviously, you know, there's been a couple of, of relegation situations and the Rafa Benitez period as well, of course. Yeah. But now the big talking points around Newcastle is this new era that's, you know, on the yeah. horizon. And, you know, it's impossible to talk about the, the Newcastle change of ownership without it getting... You know, political. And I don't want to, you know, get uncomfortable because I speak to a lot of Newcastle supporters. 
you know, it's it's not their fault, you know, that the that the, um, that these types of people with the associations that they allegedly have are are with the club. And I remember when the news broke, and we had a big discussion with this with the listeners on the channel. And I remember the question being asked to me, you know, if if a if an owner came into Arsenal that had connections to human rights atrocities, um, allegedly, say, would I stop supporting Arsenal? And you know, I have to very hypocritically turn around and say no I, I probably wouldn't and very honestly and very humbly say no I don't think I could because you know it's such a huge part of my life yeah so from your perspective is you know in this scenario mm-hmm. what is your kind of mindset around that um well I'd be lying you know first and foremost uh mm. if I if I said that I didn't feel any discomfort towards the yeah. team in Saudi Arabia historically but particularly you know, I'm a relatively, anyone that follows me on, on social media, um, I wouldn't say that I'm overly political, but I certainly engage in things that I kind of care about or things that are relevant to me. Um, and obviously the fact that the Saudis are currently in, or at least the Saudi regime, sorry, I don't want to paint everyone in Saudi Arabia with the same price, sure. but the Saudi regime is currently committing atrocities in, in Yemen. I mean, mm-hmm. there's only a one, one race a few weeks ago in Jeddah. There was a missile strike, you know, miles, several miles from it. And it's yeah. just bonkers right um and obviously sport washing uh is something that is very very prevalent throughout um throughout i guess top level sport in western europe it's it's kind of how a lot of these again i have to choose my words very very carefully because it's hard too many people with the same brush but a lot of these maybe less more regressive regimes are able to paint themselves with a more positive pr to us consumers in the the west um so that's one side of the argument the other side of the argument i guess which which is which is Fair enough. And it's something I certainly, when the takeover was happening, okay, I know that the likes of Jamie Rubin and Amanda Stavley are involved as well as the public invest, investment fund from the Saudi regime. Um, but, you know, it, it did certainly feel like it was a, a takeover of sorts from, you know, an entity that wanted to, to prove that it was holistic in some way or, or positive or a positive force for, for good, when we all know that's probably not the case. Unfortunately, yeah. Saudi money is prevalent throughout not only the Premier League, um, and that is not just Newcastle. Okay, I guess Newcastle is now the biggest chunk of that. Mm. They have stakes in in everything from advertising to logistics within the Premier League, TV rights, and so on. And then you look at the government again. I don't want to get too political, but we fund yeah. the Saudis, right? You know, that it's Saudi money. It's just a concurrent part of our kind of new western economy that we have in on this side on this part of the world it's not something i necessarily agree with um and like i said it's not comfortable part mm. of me thinks maybe i should make a you know we should be a little bit more vocal about it and make a stand about it but blood money is unfortunately a part of premier league uh premier league football and i, and I think what's what should happen is there should be more regulatory work um from bodies yeah that. why not- should it fall to the fans you know yeah. that's the question but of course you know i, I it's certainly something that comes up on forums and on Twitter quite a lot. And yeah. even some Newcastle fans, they get annoyed. They're just like, but I can actually try and empathize with it a little bit because, mm. you know, I wouldn't like that myself. I guess I, I guess I wouldn't have liked that myself if it hadn't have come. And I guess if let's, for example, it happened to the boys across the, the time we're hit divide, mm. Sunderland, I'd probably be saying a lot of the stuff, this, the same things that, that Sunderland is saying about us. Mm. Um, so I completely understand fans' reservations. But then there's another context of the argument where there's mm. 33 years of suffering, more so for, for Newcastle fans that are older than me. And um, 
it does feel good to finally feel like we're going to maybe move forward and compete and actually try and go for a run in the Cups and try and finish in the top 10 regularly in the Premier League and maybe even go further than that in uh, in, the, in, the, in the short to mid-term. So it's a mm. conflicting picture is basically the summary. It's, it's, yeah, it's, of course. It's a conflicting one, yeah. I suppose it's about compartmentalising, you know, as a fan, you know, you know, as an individual loan supporter, the impact that you can have about, you know, your views on who owns your club. I mean, Arsenal fans for years have wanted a change of ownership for so many different reasons, from financial to the, you know, the moral fan side of the Super League scenario from, you know, 2020, 2021. It's mad to think that was just, just, yes, just over a year ago, the Super League. It seems like 10 years ago now. Um, but all of that stuff, and you compartmentalize it and go, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I will always be an Arsenal fan. Um, and so from the perspective of you going into the, the idea of seeing where things can happen, and what has changed this season? I mean, you've gone from, I think it was zero wins when Eddie Howe took over mm. to a point where very comfortable. You know, you've seen some very good players coming in January, some very shrewd bits of business like the, the Wood move from Burnley, of course, a direct relegation rival, paying a buyout clause, bringing him in. I mean, you, you beat us to a, a midfield signing and Bruno Guimaraes, who has been absolutely fantastic, of course, since yeah. coming in as well. Mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier, uh, who gives Newcastle a hell of an incentive with the whole Spurs link tomorrow to, to get the boys <laughs> up for that game, which is going to be frustrating. Um, Target, Burn, you know, players that maybe mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, I'd say just, you know, the, the fan next door may not have thought of as a, as a massive move to bring in players like Target and Burn, but they're necessary moves to improve just the base individual kind of quality of the of the foundations of the team and, and that's pushed you forwards to the point where we we fast forward to you know tomorrow's game and, and focus on that yeah. you are safe there is nothing to play for in terms of competitive sense you're not close enough to europe you're not close enough to the relegation drop what do you think is is the is a game against arsenal for newcastle is it kind of one of those statement matches to say look you know you're going to remember us for next season type of thing yeah, you know, I think that's a really smart way of putting it, to be honest. Um, it, it's incredible that we've got ourselves into this position. And um, I'm so grateful to to Eddie and the shrewd business like, like you've done. I think you've explained it really well. Mm-hmm. A mixture of some real quality in Grimares and um, and then, you know, buying off our relegation rivals. So I think tomorrow is a, ch- is a chance for us to kind of take the shackles off um, and, and have a go at Arsenal. Because I, I think Arsenal, you guys are currently several levels above us in the way the club is run, in the way that um, player recruitment has come in, in also the the, style, the specific stylistic way that, that you approach the game, the, the idea of ball retention, the idea of trying to overload certain areas of the pitch instead of it being more percentage football or hitting on the on the counter. Like we, we've, you know, it's, it's basically done in, yeah. the, in the last, probably the last five or six years, uh, even though Eddie Howe is very much, a manager that likes, if you look at his Bournemouth teams in the past, and even when he was briefly at Burnley, if you remember that spot, the, their teams, they tried to keep, they tried to keep the ball, they tried to win the ball high up the pitch. So he's kind of abandoned that a little bit in order to get us safe. But, you know, he's done an excellent job and it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic opportunity. Monday night under the lights, let's have a go. Let's, 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 let's have a bit of fun. Why not? And, you know, I think we owe it to the Premier League. We owe it to the, to the competitiveness of the league to have a go at Arsenal and, to not try and sneak something like a nil-nil or, or sit back and mm. try and sneak you on there. I think it's important. You guys are obviously chasing what you're chasing and it's very, very tight. Um, and I think mm. all the, the club needs to do from our perspective is just focus on the game and try and make a statement. Like I said, make a statement for next year. 
try and play with a little bit more gusto, try and play with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more width as well, a, a little bit less rigid. Like we, we've been unfortunately having to play because of the, the lack of quality that we have in, in comparison to the likes of yourselves. So I'm really excited about the game. I, I certainly think Eddie will approach it completely differently to, to, to how we've approached the previous 36, 37 games, you know? Let's take a look at the uh, the team um, that you've gone for. And so you can talk us through your selection and, and mm-hmm. highlights any individuals that have really impressed you. Of course, there's no John Joe Shelby or, as Arsenal fans may be pained or maybe relieved to know, no Joe Willock uh, in this game. Both of them are out injured. Yeah. Uh, Trippier and Wilson's fitness is you know still in question. We don't know if they're going to be fit enough to start. So you imagine it would either be Kraft or... Uh, Chris Wood that are in place of them but I look at this team and especially considering kind of where Arsenal are at we've got doubts about Ben White about Gabriel Magalhaes we've got a situation where we've got both our starting fullbacks are probably going to be playing you know or one of them in in the case of Kieran Tini isn't going to be playing but Tommy Asu is probably going to be in the central part of the defence and I'll go through my team in a second but when you actually look at this Newcastle team you know, I'd say Trippier is a better right back than than Cedric is right now. Target's a better left back than Tavares. You've got um, a natural. Both of your centre backs are natural, whereas you know we may end up having Granite Jack in the defence if Ben White is indeed not fit. You've got Bruno Gimenez, who is a player that could have easily improved Arsenal's central part of the midfield. And Alan Samaxman on the left-hand side, who is just one of the most flary players in the Premier League. I, I, I have been quite critical of him in the past, saying there's a lot of flair and sometimes not enough substance to his game. But I think if you know you're able to maximise or maximise, uh, <laughs> excuse the fun, the potential in his in his game. There's obviously a player in there that can you know really take the Premier League by storm. So. I'd say that it's it's worryingly strong. Um, and I'd say Callum Wilson's a better striker, you know, man for man than Eddie and Ketia, for instance, who's starting right now, even though he's in good form. Mm. So this team, you know, I'm sure you're expecting to see upgrades in the future. But where do you, when you see this team, is it a team that gives you encouragement that you know something can be taken from this game? Yeah, I think I think this is a great side. I think um, it's it's probably for many many years since that kind of golden era that we had back here around 2012 under Pardew where we had the a kind of the trifecta up front of Barsi saying Ben Arthur with a Kabay and Teote behind mm-hmm. and obviously like a Danny Simpson on one side Dummett was pu- coming through on the other side as well uh Colo and Stephen Taylor I mean that was probably as balanced this team is very very balanced I think one of the the most pleasing aspects of it is that it's a mixture of players that are already at the club before new additions that have come in and slotted well, in well. But also, Eddie has managed to completely transform Jalinton. And I guess he's probably the player that I'm going to pick out first as mm. someone that is vital. People, you know, a lot of midfielders are scared to play against him now because he has this, I mean, he's an absolute physical specimen for a start. Yeah. He's deceptively quick. He's good in the air. He's great at re- retaining the ball. And he's suddenly very, very good at also winning the ball back you know, in good positions in midfield. Um, Him next to Grimorayesh, you know, having Bruno, a a player of that quality who's able to kind of weave patterns and understands phase play and understands how to create transitions uh, much better than any midfielder that we've had for a long time. I think hopefully the three of those in in the centre of the park could, could, could potentially dominate the midfield. I do feel if we dominate the midfield, I think we have a very, very good chance of creating chances for the, for the front three. Um, so Maximan is incredibly erratic it's all part of the fun you know Newcastle yeah. generally have always had players like that you know so whether we're talking about Hatem Ben Arfa or we're talking about a Lauren Robert even you know EK Lauren Robert was far more consistent than Hatem Ben Arfa but 
sometimes we didn't like some of the goals he was scoring. You think you need to pass, and he'd score something mm. ridiculous. And then even going back a little bit further, like a Sami Amiobi or a Lamana Lua Lua, like we've always had just players that I think when they're running with the ball, they don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> but something happens, you know, it's just creating this instantaneous, spontaneous magic. I think Sam Maximan has added a little bit more discipline in recent games. Um, his goals and assists, I don't think, are indicative of how well he's actually played for mm-hmm. us. Um, because he has been so much better going back the other way as well you know trying to trying to chase his fullback and trying to get involved with the dirtier side of the game and and, and falling into shape when when we need it um so I think you know I think we have a really good chance with this side like you said we've got two very very natural set center backs mm. um hopefully Trippier and Wilson are at least 60 70 percent I mean this would be my perfect team I've got a feeling they won't start um especially after listening to how yesterday um mm. But I'd love, yeah, I think so. But I'd, but I'd love to. I'd love to see them have some sort of influence in the game uh, at some point. I think Callum Wilson on his day is is as good as any striker in the Premier League. And I, I know that might sound like a little bit exaggerated, but the the guy is is amazing. I think he's got it all. He's, he's got pace. He's he can run in between the lines. He can hold the ball up. Um, he's got two very good feet. He mm. understands again the rhythm of the game, and he's not really had a chance to play with the likes of Bruno and Jalinton. For, for for especially this new transformed Jalinton, where what have he, you made of that transformation as it, into a central midfielder? Incredible! I, I didn't, didn't see it coming from a mile off. I really didn't. I mean, I'd, I'll be honest, totally honest with you. I thought mm. you know, we should probably try and get rid of him in 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 January, or we should probably look at signing another striker yeah. and having him as as some sort of impact because of his physicality and his presence. But it just wasn't happening for him. I don't know what Eddie saw. He saw something that I don't think many, many Newcastle fans or, or even pundits, because I do not, I can't think of one instance of anyone that was clamouring for Jalinton to be moved from a, a number nine, mm. essentially a, a number eight or a number six. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite amazing, his transformation. It's, it's great because Jalinton is he's a fantastically hard worker and he really loves playing for the club. So it's really, really nice to see. It's nice. Like I said, the balance of the team is really, really good. Um, and I think Jalinton's kind of presence his fifth, you know, his fearsome presence in the centre of the pitch um, and his ability to go and win the ball back, but also having the quality to create stuff for the front three. I think it's going to be really important to us. So I think if we can win that battle in the middle of the park, you never know. You never know. We'll wait and see. Uh, just to throw uh, the Arsenal team out there from my perspective, this is bearing in mind White's fitness. There's an argument that White won't be fit for the game, we sincerely hope that he will be because otherwise we are genuinely without an orthodox centre-back because Rob Holding suspended. Gabriel's hamstring is, is not confirmed. Um, the training images that are available early on Getty images did not show either White or Gabriel there, although Arsenal have been a little bit more cagey about what pictures they've been releasing of late because they've actually been frustrated by the amount of kind of detectives there are on social media now kind of looking into who's available and who's not. Um, if, if White isn't out, I would imagine that probably Granite Xhaka um, would drop into the back two. Uh, which means that Sambi Lakonga will be brought into the midfield alongside El Nenny. I think Martinelli was absolutely shattered against Spurs, which means that Mill Smith Rowe comes on that left hand side. Saka is shattered, but 
it's Saka or Pepe. And, and right now, you know, Saka is uh, by far and away the, the better of the two options. Pepe, you know, came off, I think it was in the the Man United game. Uh, no, sorry, it was in the, what's the last home game? Leeds United game. He came for like the last 10 minutes and got a dressing down at full time because he was so bad at full time from the assistant coach. So Saka will start and Ketia, as we know, will start. And Cedric and Tavares will start in the fullbacks positions because they're the only players that we've got. Arsenal's record against Newcastle is very good. In fact, I think I saw someone in the chat box um, pointing out that it's something like we've won 16 of the last 17 or something. Um, That's spicy. I don't don't know how accurate that is, but if it's accurate, that's (laughs) very strong. Um, I don't know if that is. I'm going to check it now. Uh, Arsenal, Newcastle. That is... um... That is that is damning. <laughs> I think because the last time you you did beat us, um, obviously I remember the four four. Uh, yeah, to be fair, you won in twenty eighteen, which was a two one win. Um, yeah. Other than that, it's two nil loss, two nil loss, three nil loss, two nil loss, four nil loss. One. I'm oh, sorry, this is painful. One nil loss, two nil loss, two one wow. loss, one nil, one nil, one nil, two one, four one, three nil, one nil, one nil, seven three. Remember that game? At yeah, the end? God, I remember that. Yeah, wow, that was a great game. Yeah. yeah. I remember when Helen um, Pardew was screaming, no more goals. And then yeah, like, Theo Walcott scored the maddest. He like fell over and, and then <laughs> like got back up again and scored. It was the one of the weird... He scores. He scored one at Chelsea like that as well. He weirdly mm. does that little fall on the floor and somehow get through. But yeah, one sixteen. of the... Well, you know what's going to happen now. <laughs> it's just all set up, obviously, for Newcastle to just absolutely end Arsenal's top four hopes now. And... Uh, but it is a very different Newcastle team. And I think you can probably see from this side, you're going to see Sam Maximan up against Cedric. And immediately you can see there's, you know, there's a bit of a mismatch there. Tavares is good going forwards, but defensively is vulnerable. And you've got Almiron up against him. Almiron's goal the other day was was unreal on the right-hand side yeah. coming in and, and across the goal. And, you know, I... He was linked to Arsenal when he was at Atlanta because um, I remember looking into a bit of MLS because we've got quite a few uh, American and North American listeners on on the channel and constantly prodding at me to, to check out the MLS a lot more. And, and he was certainly on the radar of Arsenal when you signed him. But he's kind of fallen away a bit, Almiron, and especially from kind of the first 11. But this period where obviously Wilson's been out and some other players have been out, he's been able to come back into the t- Do you still see him as kind of having that long-term future or is he kind of pinpointed as one of those players that will be upgraded upon with this new regime. I mean, he's a really, he's a really likable individual. Um, he, mm. he works very, very hard. Um, he has quality, but what he's lacked is end product. And I have a feeling that he may be one of the players that if he doesn't get the straight chop or gets moved on to another club, he'll certainly be a squad player for a couple of years before then getting moved on. Mm. I would like to keep him personally. Um, I think he adds something different he's very very dynamic he's very very direct um and he also does the stuff going backwards really really well which i think at this level you now need i mean you look at the 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 top two in in the premier league and just how good they are at every single one of them there is no lazy players they're 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 all super dynamic they're they're all super organized and and certainly together when it comes to attack and defense so i'm i'm not sure he is a long-term kind of option for us yeah, uh, but certainly, I think for the next couple of seasons, I'd love to keep him. I think he works really hard. I still feel he's getting better. He has his moments. His 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 form, unfortunately, is a little bit erratic. But yeah, uh, he's he's a very likable player. He's very very popular uh, amongst mm. the Newcastle fans. It's just whether 
he can uh, deliver it on the pitch is is another thing. But you know, the goal that he scored the other week is a is a perfect example of just how much quality he has, and as well that strength, the strength to actually brush off the defender like that, especially someone as, as strong as uh, that fullback. I can't remember what his name is now. What's his name? Uh, who's it playing against? Who was the game? Uh, oh my God, it's great. It's lost me. He lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle fixtures. It was every weekend, man. <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm with a new. Uh, was it Norwich City? Um, no, 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 no. Who was it? I can't remember. It's got it wired. Crystal Palace. So it would have been. Was it Williams? Not Williams. Mitchell. Tyrick Mitchell. Mitchell. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Mitchell. There you go. This is this is probably not helping. To be fair, but there we go. No. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Mitchell. Mitchell's Mitchell's an athletic specimen, just like a lot of Christian yeah. players are. And you know, when Bruno picked the ball up and kind of sent that kind of curved pass over the top, and Almiron brushed off the defender. I mean, that's something mm. again. It's kind of his game that a lot of Newcastle fans, even though we love him, we're getting frustrated by is that he's not showing that individual strength. Whether yeah. he has the strength or not is obviously another matter, but he's not even trying to get his body in front. But that time he looked so determined to get on it and then to have the quality to then bring on, to bring the chance down after he's got past the defender mm. and finish in the manner that he did. I mean, if he can keep doing a bit more of that, then, you know, I think he's going to really endear himself to, to Eddie and, and the team. I think it's still a position, of course. I think that, the, that you'll probably look to to upgrade upon in the in the right wing. I mean, if you've got Wilson, is is a very good striking option. You've just spent twenty five odd million on, on Chris Wood. Whether or not the striking position is something that's that's attacked in the summer, I've seen links to Patrick Shearer and Victor Ozymen. I think are two players yeah. that Newcastle are linked to. Um, the you would think that maybe the centre back area, the, the central midfield, the, the defensive midfield position, you know, Longstaff and Shelby that have played there, you'd think that's a, an area that they'll look to try and improve upon. And I've weirdly seen links with Sam Maximan leaving the club, um, and that they've been willing to kind of move him on. Do you find that strange, or do you think it's what we spoke about earlier about the you know the all flair? not always the substance. Do you think that's part of the reason why maybe they're more open to seeing him move on if the right fee comes in? Yeah, maybe. I mean, St. Maximan is, is is by the very nature of the way he approaches the game, is always going to have spells where I think he's going to be in the headlines as maybe needing to leave because of his kind of mercurial nature, his maverick nature, and he's not scoring and assisting in certain mm. periods of the season. It might be the case that people will think, okay, maybe it is a t- time for him to move on. But I really don't believe he's going anywhere. Um, mm. He has probably one of the strongest relationships out of our current current squad, um, particularly on social media, with the fans. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely adored by the fans. There's there's obviously, now that Mike Ashley's gone, we've got our flags back, war flags, that's back, mm. all of our big sort of flag displays. And he's been a, a very, very like popular part of those flag displays. Um, in the last few months, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure Eddie wants to get rid of him. He can win games on his own, you know. He has that ability. Whether he'll be a shoe in to start every season, especially if we go in for someone. Um, but you know, before the injury with for Wilson, that partnership was only just really starting to develop, and it was only starting to blossom. And I think personally, obviously, I can't put myself in Eddie's shoes, but I would like to think that he would allow that opportunity to happen again, to see what that relationship can can be like moving forward, especially if we then strengthen the midfield. I mean, we were even looking at Paqueta at, at Leon, who was yeah. Bruno's um, central midfield partner. 
So we're going to be like Brazilian o'clock this time <laughs> instead of French. Yeah, we've gone from France to Brazil now across the. And all the way around the world, man. That's what it's yeah. about. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think he's certainly got one more season here. I, I think anyway. And if he went, good luck to him. I, I'd be really sad if he went. Final question before we go to predictions: um, Where do you kind of think Newcastle will be next season? Like, and what do you think is a fair expectation for a Newcastle fan, considering what you know you've been told by Staveley and, and, and you know those up top? I mean, the Premier League is super competitive right now. Um, mm. There is a lot of quality. You know, okay, fair enough. It's got its mini leagues. It's got the top two, and then it's kind of got the next. Two or three, and then maybe the next two or yeah. three. And the big six is not a thing anymore, really. Oh, it's just no, not, no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. Even the top four is not really a thing anymore. It's, yeah. um, it's more of a top two. But um, yeah. I, I personally, you know, I look at that squad and the squad that we've just, you know, for, for tomorrow that we put on the screen, I look at that squad and I think, even that mm. squad, I would think, let's go anywhere from ninth to 12th. Why not? I, I, yeah. I honestly think that squad could finish anywhere from ninth to 12th with good coaching. Eddie comes in, as has come in has made us very, very disciplined. I think if we add players to that squad, I really think a top 10 finish is, is, is on the cards. We're not that far off it now, to be fair. And, and we've started most of the season, or at least half the season, not winning any, any games, which is mm. nuts, right? You know, like no one's ever failed to win in their opening 14 matches of a Premier League season and stayed up. But we've not just stayed up and we've got 43 points. It's, it's quite amazing. Is it 43? Or, yeah, I think it's 43 or 46. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing what we've managed to do. Um, so with that as well, as a, as a bit of context, going into next season, I definitely feel that we can beat a lot of the teams around us. I, I feel that we would hopefully be able to compete with the you know, next season, the likes of the Leicesters and, and the West Hams and the Southamptons. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe that we have a better squad than the likes of, even now, the likes of Brentford, who are you know, pretty likely to stay up. Um, so I think I think top ten would be a realistic aim. Any higher than that, I don't think Europe. You never know at the end of the day. You never know what's going to happen. But I think the focus should be on trying to finish in the top ten, adding some good players into the squad, and then trying to have a go at one of the cups. Even if mm. we just have a quarter final, we, we've missed that. We've missed that cup, cup run. We've we've just neglected it in the past because we've had yeah. paper thin squads. So we've been unable to really hedge all of our bets into the cup without compromising the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, top 10 in a run in a cup would be, would be, yeah, I'd drink to that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, trophies has got to be the absolute aim of trying to get through. I mean, you see Crystal Palace getting to the semi-final this season. You know, you can see how possible it is to get there. Um, let's go to predictions um, and get your thoughts on what you think the scoreline will be tomorrow. Chat box and those listening, make sure to get yours into the chat box as well. How are we feeling about it, Des? Give me a, a lengthy prediction and a scoreline. So, um, I think we're going to attack. I, I really do. I don't think we're going to be pragmatic. I think mm. we owe it to our fans to, to put on a spectacle. Last game of the season, a lot of great feeling around the club. I think as a result of that, ultimately, I think we'll probably come up short. Um, this is an important game for, for Arsenal. And I do believe that, particularly this season, the mentality of the club, particularly after the start of how you guys started, has changed. I think... Mm. I mean, I don't want to speak as if, as if I'm an expert on the club, but I guess one of the things from the outside looking in is looking at Arsenal's mentality in games, losing it rather than the quality that's on the pitch. I think that's gone now. Obviously, losing Ben White would be huge. I think if you have Ben White, then let's just say he's in the sort of side, I think you'll beat us 3-1. Okay, yeah. And it is that different because just having the orthodox centre-back and 
and not is, is so key. In the chat box, it's quite split. Um, Hamza says 2 0 Newcastle. Oh, uh, blogger oh. going for a 2 1 Newcastle win. Famous D going for a 3 1 Newcastle win. Uh, finally getting a positive. Suleiman oh, going 3 1 Arsenal. It's, it's uh, this lot are temperamental. They won't mind me saying that. We'll, we'll go through games like we, we did the Chelsea game. Before the Chelsea game, everyone was yeah. like, yeah, 5 0 Chelsea. <laughs> and then we won. And all of a sudden, we have Man United next. 7 0 Arsenal against Man United. It's just Brilliant. it's what we're, our bunch is like. Um, dropping down a little bit more, Jean going for a 3. 3-0 to the Arsenal. Dubo going 1-0. Willock own goal. Willock's not fit, unfortunately, Dubo. Uh, so you're not going to see that. Uh, Mikey going for a 2-0 win. One of my favourite names, listeners in the chat box, Rancid Pumpkin, says Arsenal 2, Erdegaard 1. Um, forever Arsenal fan says 2-1 to the Arsenal. Anthony going 2-1. Um, Nagarjan says 1-0 uh, Arsenal as well. And there's some more, uh, unfortunately, some negative ones. Uh, or positive in your sense, but negative in, in the Arsenal sense. But yeah, some really split uh, debates in there, um, for sure. But Degs, thank you so much uh, for the taking the time to come have a chat. I know that football's not a topic that you often get to, you know, publicly and broadcast to have a chat about. But I hope you've enjoyed it and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's... Um... It's the best sport on the planet. So, uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate you bringing me on, man. I look forward to the game. Good luck, guys. But, you know, not too much luck because we want this. It's always coming from Akshat as well in the chat, uh, in the chat saying, uh, love your song, Unwritten, uh, which, of course, is is out on, on Forza Horizon 5. It's one I've actually got the uh, the vinyl of that. So awesome. uh, it's, it's it's certainly one that's on repeat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of where people can find you and what you're going to be up to, let people know. Yeah, so, I mean, basically all my social media handles are at Degs Music, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, in terms of, I mean, I'm all over the place when it comes to, to shows. Just, just you can find that out on all my socials. Got some new music dropping next month, uh, June 3rd on Hospital Records. So that'll be my, probably the, I think my first actual just solo single of the year. Nice. And then just, yeah, lots more fun stuff in the pipeline. Um, yeah, looking forward to having a good time, like, really really grateful that everything's kind of back open again and we're able to kind of dance together and have a great time together so um yeah uh things are good at the moment and you know hopefully they continue but yeah there is a link in the description if you want to go check out the latest hospital podcast which and a massive congratulations Degs, for for taking that over it's uh quite the task to take that on um from london electricity but uh, you're doing a great job and to be fair in one of your very early episodes it did feature this now very famous clip tom cannon knows boy <laughs> so i mean yeah it's just it's just what it's got to be I, i'm arguing that that should now be in kind of the intros to, to all of our podcasts and i'm going to try and squeeze it in in some way but uh it's... Well, that would be an honor i mean look at the end of the day you know i spoke facts you do know you do know <laughs> appreciate that man i appreciate it um make sure as, as deg said you check out uh at deg's music on twitter uh, go into the link in the description to find out the latest if you're not into drum and bass it's a great podcast to get you into drum and bass to get you learning about not just the new music coming out, but a lot of the old stuff as well as reason for that clip that came out as well. So uh, do go check it out. Dex, thank you again. Uh, I'm sure maybe we'll see you back on the channel for the next fixture next season in a very different looking Newcastle side, perhaps. But uh, yeah, have a great mate, day. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. For sure. We'll see you again very soon. Drop a like on the video, yeah. subscribe if you're new. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.